The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Uh, Hi everybody, thanks for tuning back into the show, and uh, thanks to everybody who attended my uh, scarification webinar the other day. It was really cool to just talk to people about scarification. You know, I've been doing that for quite a while, but I don't really, um, I don't teach classes on it outside of the BMXNet conference. Um, and you know, this is the piercing wizard podcast, so it doesn't really come up very often. Um, but it was nice to be able to do that webinar. Uh, really cool just to share, uh, some of the different, um, stuff that I've, that I've accumulated over the years when it comes to scarification content. Uh, today I, uh, I did a class with Lola Slider about, uh, PA fundamentals and it was awesome. Um, watching her process of, of preparing for it for a few days, uh, I could see how much care she put into it, and it really showed. Uh, she's a really strong public speaker, and I got to pick up like a lot of little tips and tricks. In in the U.S. with piercers, um, most of what we see when we're doing a PA is on a, a circumcised individual. So there's this whole other world out there of uh, intact uh, penis with foreskin, uh, and I don't really have a, a lot of uh, experience with that. So it was really cool to see a PA class taught by someone who's outside of the U.S., uh, has more experience with intact anatomy. Uh, And uh, I feel like I I learned quite a bit. So thanks, Lola, for for that class. Uh, It was a really cool one. Uh, Lola's going to be doing another class uh, this coming Saturday, May the 2nd. Uh, And that's going to be hosted by the UK APP, but it will be held on the, uh, the, the Zoom platform for the APP. So that means they can have a, a larger headcount for the class, uh, but it does mean you need to register for it. So with this one, you register through the UK APP. You can go to their Facebook page. That'll have all the info. Uh, if you follow Lola Slider on social media, she's posting the uh, the links for registration also. But that's a free class on uh, Saturday, May 2nd. So I would really suggest you do that. The subject is uh, uh, growth for the employed piercer. I, I did a class uh, a few weeks ago called uh, um, uh, Studio Growth Strategies, and I, I didn't really think about it going into it, but it was just you know my perspective on studio growth, but I'm a studio owner. Uh, I feel like I, I provide an environment where my staff can have kind of the, the best of the best, and if they want something different than what I'm providing, I can be convinced uh, you know reasonably easy to, to get them what they're what they're looking for. Uh, but that's not the reality for a lot of piercers. So my class wasn't all that helpful to people who were in that role of, you know, piercer, senior piercer, shop manager, something like that. You know, it, it's not uh, their checkbook. It's not their credit card. It's it's the shop owner's credit card. Uh, so how do you talk to the shop owner to convince them to get what you want? Uh, and what do you do with it when you have it? So that's the class that Lola uh, wrote. And it's because that's what her perspective was. The majority of her career, she was working uh, for someone else's business as the piercer. And for me, that's just a totally different world also. So uh, really cool class that I'm looking forward to. Lola's a great instructor. So uh, if you're interested in that, Saturday, May 2nd, that's through the UK APP. You have to register through them, but it is a free class. So go ahead and sign up for that. 
this week's guest is Jeff Saunders. Uh, he's been on quite a few times, does quite a bit of work for the APP, and is one of the people uh, crafting the APP's uh, protocols for uh, studio opening and, and what different uh, safety methods we're going to uh, need to take in relation to COVID-19. So uh, a, a lot of names are, are mentioned on the, the show as, as people that have been putting in a lot of work, but I think it's also important to uh, mention the, the work of Paul King, the APP treasurer, uh, the work of Aaron Pollock, the APP uh, secretary, and uh, every just everybody behind the scenes. Like There are whole committees that are uh, giving this input and uh, setting these protocols. It's not just one person. It's, it's a lot of different people out there spending a lot of time uh, researching this and, and talking about uh, what it's going to mean to our industry. There was a, a great panel discussion the other day held by the APP, uh, it, basically talking about uh, potential reopening protocols. And uh, I really just want to say uh, thank you to everybody who's been involved in this because it's really been helping me personally as a studio owner. Um, I am also on the body art advisory panel for the state of New Hampshire. And uh, it was great to be able to just take the APP's protocols and just hand those straight to the Department of Health who is in turn setting their recommendations for the governor of the, the state. So it was great to have that model out there. Uh, all that information is available to you for free online on the APP's website. So go to safepiercing.org. There'll be a COVID-19 tab on there. Click on that, and that will be uh, the APP's current recommendations in relation to COVID-19 and uh, professional body piercing. So uh, let's go ahead and get into this interview with Jeff Saunders, and I'll be back a bit more at the end. Uh, my name is Jeff Saunders. I'm the public relations coordinator for the Association of Professional Piercers. I own Gamma Piercing in Ann Arbor, Michigan with my wife, Laura Jean. And uh, currently I'm not blogging, but I do have a blog, piercingnerd.com. So uh, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Uh, it's, you know, what's funny is that at considering what a lot of people's experiences, which is like intense boredom, it's been the exact opposite for me. I have been nonstop busy pulling out my hair, uh, uh, working on APP things, but also I rushed to make a digital store for the shop and we had a sale uh, and that was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. So, and it, you know, I presented a class. I know you've been doing a ton of classes. I can't imagine how busy you've been. So I've done uh, 15 classes in the last month. Yeah, I did one <laughs> and that was like, I felt, I felt a year older afterwards. So, yeah. uh, luckily I'm just, I'm, I'm phoning it in and I'm just using classes that are already done like been made for previous conferences and stuff like that but i did a, a, a scarification thing yesterday that was like little tiny pr presentations that i've done for people not like instructional and like that was officially the end of my pre-made classes so i'm gonna take a, a bit of a hiatus yeah you know i think you've done your part <laughs> <laughs> um i want to do more you know but uh i i really do I, I like all the people that i've met around the world that i never met inside the APP bubble or even my private instruction bubble, like all kinds of people from like Southeast Asia and um, just all over the, the world who have been reaching out and saying like, you know, I, I want to learn stuff. I've never had the opportunity to get out to any conference and I don't think I will in the future. So it's, it's, it's nice to be able to bring education to those people instead of making those people go to the education. Sure. Yeah. I completely agree when, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this. I, uh, I think every continent but Antarctica was represented 
uh, for the classes that I did. So I'm sure that's the case. And it's been really cool hearing from those people, uh, getting like messages on Instagram and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. So the main thing that that makes me think of is that we need to have better outreach to Antarctica. Clearly, we've really been letting them down. Got to get them on that member locator map. Um, so uh, in addition to the, the class you did, you also did, you were also part of a panel discussion the other day about... Um, you know, reopening and what will that look like and what are some of the thought processes you have on your mind. And I'm 100% sure that, uh, you know, aside from the very few uh, states and areas that are trying to push for early reopening, I think a lot of us, this is going to be something we're going to be thinking about over the weeks or over the months and trying to think about what our shops and protocols are going to look like going forward. So what's some of the information, like what are some of the highlights from, from that panel that you want to share? I really liked when you were explaining the different phases and where body art kind of fits in to businesses and the, like the hierarchy of what's opening and when and stuff like that. So what, what do you want to share about that stuff? Well, I, uh, to, to back it up a little bit, the, uh, I was tasked initially with writing, um, the protocols for the APP and, mm. uh, uh, that was that. I, I I say I. I was sort of co-chair of the committee. It was m- myself, John Johnson, Brian Skelly, uh, and then uh, Pablo Paramilter uh, uh, was involved. Monica Saban was involved. And then basically the whole board was involved. It became a really giant group project. Uh, <clears throat> and one of the things that uh, we figured out early on was that it is. Uh, a a ever-changing scenario and uh, kind of a moving target. Um, The rough draft bears no resemblance to the document we ended up having uh, the day before the panel was scheduled. We actually had an update the day the panel was scheduled, and we've had an update since the panel happened. Um, So what I'm hoping is that people don't just sort of look at the, the document once, and proceed from there. Um, I'm hoping that they continue to look at the document and continue to read um, and give the APP feedback so we can get better uh, information on there. We're also hoping to add stuff for individual uh, countries. Um, So if you're like, wow, this is too American focused, uh, I would agree. send us the information that you've got from your country uh, through secretary at safepiercing.org and we can update it further. Um, uh, So basically uh, what I was looking for when we started to write the the document was, is there any objective standard by which to reopen? And you can kind of see, I see it on my social media. There's a lot of people that, they're they're frustrated and um in an absence of like really objective data um they're going with what feels right and this is a dangerous time to go with uh, what feels right because a lot of times you know if you don't know somebody who's sick um or you don't know anybody uh, uh who's even had any interaction with it you might think this isn't really a problem what am i doing at home um but having that objective standard is really helpful. And what we found was uh, I felt pretty 
uh, pretty great, which was certain businesses can open uh, in, in a section called phase one, certain businesses in phase two. Um, and phase two it, it definitely uh, is, is where body art falls under, where we're, uh, there's no pretense of real social distancing when we're doing the service. Um, phase two means that in your area, you've seen uh, a two-week reduction in flu-like symptoms. And I think the reason why they say flu-like symptoms is with this idea that maybe there isn't enough testing going on. Sure, there but, definitely isn't in New Hampshire. Sure. And I think that's probably pretty universal. Uh, the, on, the only country I've heard that's, or only two countries I've heard that have really on testing the way they should have been was uh, South Korea and Taiwan. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I might be leaving uh, people out, but it, that those are the countries that I heard like really got testing right. Um, so uh, when they say flu-like symptoms, what they're saying is sort of like presumed COVID cases. Um, and then uh, a two-week reduction in COVID cases and then uh, eight, uh, your local hospitals uh, segueing from crisis care. Mm -hmm. um, and that segue from crisis care, I think, is going to be uh, the most frustrating part of it. Because you might even have three weeks of reduction where the hospital, they don't have their PPE uh, uh, reserves backed up. So they're still in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that might be the part that's frustrating for people is like, Oh, we've got these first two parts of this standard met. Why aren't we there? Is the hospital just being conservative? And, and chances are no, that they have an objective standard, uh, that they've got to follow. Um, uh, my wife, uh, recently started working in the hospital as a nurse. Uh, so I've got a direct line to that information for my area and I'm really fortunate, but you can find it, uh, with through your local department of health and your state department of health. If you're in the U S I think the the main problem that I've been hearing from, from piercers, because when you as a shop owner, when me as a shop owner, uh, thinks of that, you know, we can, we can think of it in those terms of like, you know, when is it appropriate for us to allow our staff back into these, these businesses? I think some of the, the, the tougher decisions that I've been hearing people make is like a really good example, like Georgia, um, before Georgia chose to reopen, uh, those, those piercers could very easily get unemployment benefits, things like that, you know, because they're directly affected by it. But then when, when states, when regions, uh, don't offer, support don't offer benefits and they basically say like oh it's fine the stay-at-home order is lifted uh that kind of removes the the unemployment benefit option for them so it's going to be a really tough situation and i th i think it's a, a real disservice where people have to make a decision and not to judge people who are making the decision because it's it's their life it's their decision i don't want to backseat drive their lives or anything but having to force someone to make a decision between their safety and their income is like one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it, it it's frustrating that there aren't protections for people. Uh, and let's, for example, let's say you're, let's take it away from piercing. Let's say you're a hairdresser in, 
in Georgia, right? But you have all the comorbidity risk factors, right? Uh, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, that sort of thing. Um, you having to work where your unemployment benefits have now been taken away because you can work. Uh, that, all right, take your life into your hands and go to work. Uh, it, it, it strikes me as uh, a really bad political move to have made the decision to reopen without giving people the option to stay on unemployment. And I don't know the specifics of what's going on in Georgia, but I know sure. what little I've read. Asking people to sort of take their life into their hands so they don't go hungry is really just seems ghoulish. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a completely different world that we're living in. And I think right now we're all still in like uh, panic mode, triage mode, whatever, you know, trying to figure out what, what our priorities are. And I think as this thing plays out over the next you know, short term, let's say six to 12 weeks. Um, I, I think three months from now, we're going to be having the intelligent conversations that we wish we could be having now. But right now it's all fear and emotion and dealing with, you know, simple things like inconvenience or loneliness are, are influencing people's safety decisions, let alone things like income. So, um, you know, I, I really worry about my own personal business because I have the majority of my staff uh, are on unemployment and the the ones who weren't employees, the ones who are subcontractors, meaning tattooers, they're they're applying for payroll protection plan because that that encompasses uh, self-employed individuals now. But um, I just don't want to have to force any of them to to worry and have pressure because like I, I don't want to open even if the state, the original stay-at-home order for New Hampshire was May 4th, and um, mm -hmm. everything points towards the governor extending that out towards probably more like June 1st. If they kept May 4th, you know, and if, like, people would lose their unemployment benefits not going back to work, I still don't know that I'd want them to go back to work, but that's from a, a bias and a financial standpoint for me, where it's like, okay, if I needed to break my piggy bank to take care of my staff and even give them a stipend or whatever it would look like, I would rather do that than say, come back to work when you're not confident and comfortable to go back to work and, and creating those um, tension moments where people are like filling out uh, like um, moveon.org petitions and stuff like let my tattoo shop open. I, I feel for those people and the motivations that would make them do it. Uh, and I, I just hope that me, my friends, my people, my staff never have to get put in, in that position. Sure. Yeah. And, it, and I've really tried to have a lot of uh, uh, sympathy for the folks that uh, are just desperate to get back to work, uh, knowing full well that we're we might be in two very different situations. Uh, and our, our, our media intake uh, might be completely different where. Uh, they're being told that it, this isn't such a big deal, um, and that I I, I, I disagree, <laughs> but I'm trying to reserve judgment. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough time, and there's a lot of challenging decisions on uh, on the horizon. And I think the worst thing you could do is think that you have it completely figured out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't I don't think anyone's got it 100 percent figured out. So. You do your best. You try to get the best information you can and, and behave appropriately.
So what I'm what I'm trying to do is keep my mind open as much as possible for new information coming in and trying to basically start my thought process over again at, at least on a weekly basis, um, if not a, a greater frequency. But I remember when this first happened, you know, and anybody who's listening to the show for the last couple of weeks knows that I've gone through a lot of different thought processes, and I'm you know you know definitely that I've gone through different thought processes where it was like. Well, it's not so bad. We're piercers. We're real clean. We can get around this. And I still see people having that mentality, like the same the same flawed mentality that I had five or six weeks ago, thinking like, we can get through this. We're piercers. We're invincible. A lot of people still have that notion where they're like the kind of the back end of it where it's like, we're ready to reopen because we're so careful. We're tattooers. We're piercers. We got this. But I, I think all those people need to stop and think like, you might have this now because you still have your disinfectants or your gloves or your barriers or, or whatever you have now. But in two weeks when you've blown through it all and can't reorder it, what do you do then? Yeah, and I think that that's, that's going to be a real challenge. One of the things that uh, came up during this um, was you know, face, face mask use. And I had a friend contact me. She's like, you are really about using face masks for one customer and then throwing it away afterwards and uh you know i even put out a blog back in the day like that's that's the way your face mask was intended to be used um it's difficult to maintain that stance when the hospitals aren't using face masks like that right now sure. uh where the supply chain is just not like that and uh yeah there's going to be a, a constantly evolving conversation as to like uh you know, if you have to wear a face mask, the same face mask all day for at the at the hospital level, um, do you have to wear, uh, th does it make sense um, to do that as a piercer or does that mean that you should push out your opening? Or when you run out of face masks, do you absolutely have to close? Um, and uh, it, 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 that's going to be uh, an ever-evolving uh, discussion. Um, I I would love to say I have the right answer for everyone right now, and I'm uh, I'm working on finding the the best answers for people. Um, but it, uh, everything I'm reading points to staying closed longer, and that that may not be feasible for people. Yeah, I I think a really big thing that people should take away from this conversation and the thought process of of other conversations is like, no one has the answer today. No one has the answer. Everyone is still looking for the answer and trying to determine what's the best thing they can do today. But nobody has the answer. Mm -hmm. I think if if we did have for sure answers, then we would have figured out the flu, mm -hmm. right? Right. <laughs> like, and I'm not. Sometimes there's this attitude that you, you shouldn't compare the coronavirus to the flu. Just like, but because the flu is it a problem every year, right? Um, the, that that gives you an example as to just how challenging it is to handle it. And there's a vaccine for the flu. Like uh, now we've got something that's different. There's no vaccine. It's a real, it's super contagious. It's, it's a real challenge. Well, you know, if you look at more traditional warfare and like what I'm looking at now it is warfare in in the sense of like you know our governments are asking people to do their parts and to contribute and chip in against this common enemy which is mm -hmm. kind of what it is you know it's a it's a form of warfare if you look at something like 
uh, pre 9-11, post 9-11 warfare. Before that, you know, our, our military was one thing, and then after it was another thing that's, you know, debatably better suited to handle uh, the modern threat. And I think it's going to be a very similar thing. Like right now, we don't know what our life is going to be like a year from now and what our protocols and what our access to things like safety equipment is, is going to be. Um, so, you know, really the concept of just stay at home encompasses so many different things. You know, we're staying at home because the more of us get sick, the harder it is for hospitals to manage it. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the more of us that are not at home, the more that the, the virus can spread and the tougher it is to contain and figure out protocols for it. So, you know, if we can stay home, slow things down the whole like flatten the curve uh, concept and all that stuff, we're making ourselves stronger so that, you know, if we're going to go back to work Monday versus a month from now, we're going to be stronger if we wait that one month. And if we're thinking about where can we get these things, where can we bulk order stuff, what do we have to do as maybe an alternative, what are we going to do to change our shops and our practices, like we just need, we need time to figure a lot of this stuff out. So the shops that are trying to rush back to work because they're, they're worried about money, I feel you. If you have to make a decision to put food on your plate, like... I'm not going to backseat drive that, but, um, you know, we need time to figure out what we're going to do with shops. Like for me, I'm looking at building plexiglass, like sneeze barrier type things for my front desk and my jewelry cases. And it's like, I, I've checked all these different vendors for face masks and I, I just, I can't get them right now. I can't get what I need and what I want. Uh, so it's like, I don't, I don't think that, um, the level of excellence that I try to to give in the shop can be maintained right now. So, like, I don't have to go back to work. So why why would I even consider going back to work right now? Right. Yeah. And and yeah. And also acknowledging that you know uh, you've managed your money correctly beforehand, and not everyone's in that situation. Right. Absolutely. Like my personal life, Ryan life. Like, if I wanted to stay home for three months, I could stay home for three months. But like what keeps me up at night is my tattooers who can't do that. And they're like, I want to get back to work now. I need to get back to work now. And trying to be be conscious of that, be sympathetic to that, but also realizing that like I can't let you put yourself in an unsafe situation. And right now I deem this as an unsafe situation. So it's it's a really difficult conversation. And and I have like a very easy version of that conversation, you know, and there are so many shops out there where there's desperation growing and you know what what what's motivating them to get back to work you know um i i saw somebody today that was like they were in georgia and they were like hey yeah i can probably get back to work on monday what kind of piercing special should i do and it's like the piercing special should be stay at home and i'll mail you jewelry you know like i don't i don't want someone to be trying to not only go back to work and open their doors but try to get as many people through their doors as possible because they've spent their savings in the last couple of weeks like that's going to be so painful for a lot of people uh, a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, when there are, um, you know, when we have to go back to quarantine because, uh, you know, staff members got sick or something like that. I don't want to have to see that kind of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It, uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a painful few months for sure. Yeah. Uh, my guess is it's just going to be a painful 2020. Uh, I, mm. I wish, I wish I had a, a, a happier outlook. But, oh uh, sure, I'm a total pessimist. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I remember when this when this first happened. You know, within days of me deciding to close my my studio, 
uh, I had a conversation with someone and they were like, yeah, you know, we just got to weather the storm for like two months. And I was like, look, straight up, if you're not planning for a minimum of three months closure, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Like, really, you got to look at this as how to manage it as a long-term problem, not like how do I get through the shortest period of time possible and then just get back to normal because there there is no normal to get back to. Even if you do open your doors, like all these clients have been home for the last four or five weeks too. They've all been out of work. Like what 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 do you expect them to be spending to come in for piercings and tattoos, you know? Right. Yeah, and I think you know, you earlier you you sort of uh referenced how the world changed after nine eleven and stuff and uh you know, we were both piercing in shops at, at that point. Um and uh yeah, the economy was like drastically and dramatically changed uh, uh, by 9-11. I remember uh, the couple weeks after, uh, you know, I was doing a piercing every other day sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I still, I mean, on 9-11, I did, I did a tongue. I'll remember that uh, as long as I live. And then the 12th, I did nothing. Um, but, uh this is going to be a little bit different than that in that, uh, yes, there's going to be these economic issues, um, but there's also going to be the health and safety issues that we're dealing with. So it, it, it is a far more complicated thing, uh, to, to handle and, uh, to expect you to, you know, let's say you were doing 20 piercings uh, every Saturday, right? That that's not likely to go back like that. And you, uh, you have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think about what, what things are going to be like going forward. Like I had a really long conversation the other day, just talking about like, well, what piercings are we not going to be able to, to do, you know, like if we're, if, if the new protocol is going to be, um, you need to come in with a face mask on, in what scenario is it responsible to say, okay, now take that face mask off so I can do an optional thing? So, you know, is it going to be, we're not doing oral piercings for a while? Are we not doing nose piercings for a while? Even if we think that it's safe to perform a nostril piercing, like I, my, my fantasy book and concept was like, all right, people wear the paper face mask. They pull it down where it's just covering their mouth so we don't have to worry about them coughing or sneezing. Their nose is exposed and we can do a piercing. In, in, in one sense, I was like, yeah, I can probably do a nose piercing safely. But then if the new world is like people are wearing face masks all the time, are people going to be able to hear, uh, heal nostril piercings? Are people going to be able to heal a multitude of ear piercings if they're wearing an ear loop mask every day? You know, all these different things that we really have to start thinking about because you don't want to have to have that thought process when somebody walks in and they're like I want my nose pierced you know I'm a nurse then it's like Ugh, I don't know what to think so it's like try, start thinking about that stuff now yeah. one of the things I've been looking at in terms of the oral piercing thing because I, I do think it's pretty fascinating uh, and realistic concern it is the way dentists are looking at it. And what they're looking at is anything that produces uh, aerosolized uh, things, mm -hmm. such as like drilling and, and things like that. Um, so dentists probably have it even worse than piercers because what they're doing is, uh, I, I would argue, in some cases you've got emergency surgeries, but also, you know, uh, 
irregular cleaning or a filling, it could be argued that it's non-essential. So, and it produces these, these aerosolizations. So I'm paying a lot of attention to what the dentists are saying about uh, when they feel comfortable to reopen. I'm going to take a lot of the cue from the dentists. The the bummer, like my immediate thought is like, dentists are totally cool charging thousands of dollars for what they do. I wish that we could be like, yeah, you know, that piercing that was normally about $80 to $100. Well, unfortunately, now it's $6,000 because we had to get a we had to get an evacuator for vapor and we had to do this and do that. So, oh, man, it's a it's difficult. Um, I am very happy that uh, my industry has something like the APP and has a group of really talented, thoughtful people looking into this uh, and, and studying this. So, you know, if you haven't gotten a thank you yet today, thank you. Um, and, but, you know, not just, just you, you know, everybody else on the board and everybody else who's, who's volunteering and working with, with the APP and all these other organizations. And, you know, I'm, I'm so much more thankful now of thinking about the people who are doing work just so that life can go on, you know, like people that are delivering food or working at grocery stores or working at the post office or UPS or something like that. Like it's a, it's a totally different thought process of just thinking like it would be so easy. Like everybody just wants to get back to normal, but we can't, but these people are still trying to maintain normal as much as possible. And I, I'm very appreciative of that. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I, I also just, so you know, I, I, I have delivered groceries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my father-in-law owns a, a company that, uh, does, uh, at home delivery of groceries. So, uh, he, owned the correct business for this uh pandemic so yeah. he, he called me he's like can you make deliveries so i've i've been making deliveries uh uh grocery deliveries for people have you considered doing um house calls where you do injections of lysol because i think <laughs> i think we would be we're primed we're in a prime position as piercers to be able to handle that right uh yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah <laughs> these are weird times i'm not going to touch that <laughs> yeah uh it's madness it's it's just madness but you know um I, I think it's great that you got people thinking and talking about it um you know there are lots of different practices in my studio that i'm thinking about thinking about you know and i'm talking to my staff and i'm trying to work out like i have a, a staff meeting tomorrow where i'm going to be basically saying I want all your ideas for what the safety protocols are going to be. I want to share my ideas of what safety protocols are going to be. I want everyone to share their opinions and let's work it down into as much as we can maintain in the shop, as much as you think might be effective in the shop and kind of go from there because I don't want staff members to wake up thinking like, I don't want to go to work because I don't feel safe. I don't, I don't want that thought process to have to happen to any of my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree, and it, it, uh, it's going to be a, 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 an ongoing conversation because uh, you know you you could set up a plan, and then day one you realize, oh, this doesn't work for reasons X, Y, and Z, and we have to go back to the drawing board. Well, I mean, just like you were saying, with even just you know you drafting the protocols, uh, I'm sure day one versus when you released it was completely night and day different. And I'm sure even now, just a few days later, you're already looking at things that you'd want to update or change. Right. Yeah. We were, we, uh, one of the things in particular, we were looking at, uh, HEPA filter, uh, filtration and, and what goes into that. And we've got more up to date information about that. And, you know, one of the big things, and, uh, forgive me if I'm getting it 
just a little bit wrong. But one of the big things is when you change the filters, you have to be very concerned uh, because if the filter did get the the virus into it, the virus is uh, easy to spread. So changing the filter outside and making sure you're in head to toe PPE for that is pretty critical. Uh, But uh, I'm probably not even getting it completely right because uh, the update just happened last night. Well, that's nothing to be terrified about or anything. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right, right. Ugh, yeah. Well, yeah. um, Yeah. I I don't even know how to process some thoughts like that sometimes. You know, I've been trying to just maintain what little mental health I have left. You know, working on all the classes and stuff is great because it gives me goals it gives me something to try to achieve it gives me something to feel good about completing all that stuff you know and when it comes to all this other stuff uh protocols back to the shop like none of that is sexy and none of that is going to make you feel good some of that stuff might actually actively make you feel terrible Mm -hmm. but um you know what what i would like to try to tell people tell you and, and tell anybody out there is like don't make it your 20 24 7 job to stress out about this stuff because you can you can stress yourself into an early grave and you're never even going to be able to finish the conversation because it it's changing so rapidly so what i'm trying to do is have like office hours and personal hours you know i'll spend 2 hours uh, in the morning working on shop stuff working on financial benefit applications working on protocols all that stuff and then i have to really just i have to put that stuff down and just focus on time to watch a movie time to cook time to do something time to talk to my girlfriend you know like um i hope that you and i hope that laura and i hope that everybody working with the app is doing something to try to disconnect a little bit because uh, burning the candle at both ends and thinking about it as a business owner and as someone who's involved in a health and safety organization and just being probably a good person that cares about other people is exhausting and it's um it's going to wear a lot of people down and we all have to make it to the finish line so we have to kind of pace ourselves like a marathon it's this is not a sprint this is a marathon right yeah that's 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 good advice i will attempt to take it (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh we'll 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 see where i'm at in the next couple months (laughs) yeah all right, so I want to, unless you have anything pressing, I want to call an end to the corona conversation. Unless there's anything else that you want to drop in. I, I, I feel pretty comfortable with okay. uh, ending the corona conversation. Okay, So, but just one last thing before we do. Where do people find the APP's corona information? Uh, if you go to safepiercing.org, uh, there is a COVID-19 bar, uh, uh, and you just click on that COVID-19 link, and that will bring you to um, uh, the information that we've got. And uh, one of the things that I was concerned about was how how regularly were we going to be able to update it, and it, it's it's been almost daily. The, the, the team involved has just been... Uh, beyond spectacular, uh, well above and beyond uh, expectations. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, so anybody out there, uh, because as this, as this podcast comes out, you know, if you listen to it a few days or a few weeks after it comes out, all this information is going to change. This conversation is probably going to change. So you want updated information as soon as possible. So go to safepiercing.org, click on the COVID banner, uh, and you can get the APP's current information on protocols and information vital to our, to our industry. So, uh, let's put that down, and now I really want to press you, uh, hold your feet to the fire, and really like get you on on the important subject that I want to talk about. Um, 
Talk to me about sourdough starter a little bit. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's been great. Uh, I am really into sourdough starter. Uh, uh, for those not, not aware, uh, yeast actually, uh, your, your, the flour that you get provided you get unbleached flour actually has naturally occurring yeast. Um, and by nurturing that, uh, by adding a certain amount of water and uh, removing it uh, every day, removing uh, a little bit of that flour, adding more flour, more water every day, you develop a natural leavening agent, and that's sourdough starter. Um, and there are a lot of videos on YouTube, um, but it's kind of cool watching things grow. I like I like fermentation. Uh, I, I think it's kind of fascinating. I've, I've brewed a beer... Uh, since this whole thing started, I've made a lot of bread. Um, I'm not I'm not a big kombucha fan, but I know a lot of people are working on their scobies and stuff. So I make kombucha. I'm not into it. I I, I think it's kind of cool when people make it. I just don't like the taste of it. It's very hit or miss, and the majority of the times you end up with like fizzy vinegar, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, which I, I I also understand that that's kind of a uh, an acquired taste, uh, sort of like lambics and other sour beer styles sure so my my problem like i you sent me that video uh, about the sourdough starter thing on youtube and i i wanted to do it but there's like a significant flour shortage around me i don't know if you have like the hookup for flour but like i can't get a bag of flour just like i can't get a, a box of face masks i so all right uh because i really really like making pizza i have a lot of flour already um, and, uh, there is, there's one kind of like niche flour, which is dark rye flour, um, that you can use for your sourdough starter. And I ended up just buying, uh, I think early March when I was like, huh, I think this might be a thing. I bought five, five bags of it. Uh, so, uh, I've been, I've been pretty fortunate that way. You can tell a lot about a person by what they want to panic by on day one. You know, a lot of people go on for uh, toilet paper on day one, but Jeff Saunders goes for the flour. Yeah, I went for dark rye flour. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that makes sense. And and now you're like the, the pizza crust baron. Yeah, I might. I'm probably going to make some uh, uh, pizza, pizza dough today. I might also... Uh, uh, one of my local piercer buddies and I are are doing a baked good exchange uh, mm. while maintaining social distancing. So so that'll be fun. It'll be great. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it. You know, what else are you doing? <laughs> well, okay. Other than like you know working nonstop around the clock about <laughs> COVID things for APP. Yeah. <laughs> but who needs to do that really? Yeah, and also, you know, uh, uh, I have a four-year-old who you may have heard in the background a lot. Sure. Um, so, uh, uh, the, trying to keep him off of screens as well as uh, being in front of a screen all day myself is uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, just you know, hey, you uh, you've really been out there in terms of uh, both education and uh, communicating with people, and thanks for for being that voice. That's really, uh, you know, a really nice thing that you do for the community, and uh, I am I feel like we're much better uh, with you being out there uh, talking and communicating. Uh, so thank you for that. Well, thanks. I'm I'm sure that uh, not everything I say is always like 
wanted or needed or uh, good. But, you know, uh, got to cram out that content. Um, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of different people where I want them to start to think about what their voice is and how they want to share it. Like, I'm... I'm happy to keep putting this stuff out and to talk to to piercers who might feel alone or itching to get back to work or something like that. I'm happy to provide as much education as I can, but I don't want people to think that there's like a barrier where it has to be like a Ryan Willett or a Jeff Saunders, uh, the people that were teaching classes and doing all this other stuff. I don't want people to think that those are the only voices that are valid right now. Like I, I love the, the piercer hangouts that people are doing on Zoom and doing all that stuff like if if you're not already part of that like make that you know make a community uh, to to bring online and start talking to all these people again and talk to them as as people talk to them as colleagues too but talk to them as people and, and connect to people because that's what's going to keep us going through all this stuff that's what's going to keep us nurtured absolutely yeah yeah all right buddy well uh go make some bread and uh i'm gonna go watch lola teach a class about dicks all right awesome you have fun thanks thanks for having me on the show again all right thanks for talking to me jeff i appreciate you taking the time as far as my private classes i'm going to take a little bit of a break i need to recharge my batteries and figure out whatever the next one's going to be uh if you have any ideas as to what it should be go ahead and reach out to me email me talk to me on facebook let me know what you're interested in maybe i can put something together if i have any news about other classes being held i'll certainly share them on here and uh, i'll be back next week with another episode for you for more information about the show visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercing wizard podcast on facebook for more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.